After an exceptionally long and tedious sermon, the congregation was filing out by the back door back over there, and they weren't saying anything to the pastor until one man comes out and he said, Pastor, that sermon reminded me of the peace of God and the love of God. Well, the pastor was ecstatic. Nobody had said anything to him so far, and no one had ever said anything quite that good. And he said, oh, man, that's just awesome. Tell me, how did my sermon remind you of the peace of God and the love of God? Well, the man said, it reminded me of the peace of God because it passed all human understanding. And it reminded me of the love of God because it endured forever. <laughs> This week, Ann and I were listening to a man teach on the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. And I think her words went something like this as she feared for you all. She said, I can't wait to see what you do with this text. And uh, she didn't mean that like she was really anticipating it. She meant it like uh, she was dreading it. Uh, so I'm going to do my best this morning. I'm going to do my best to, uh, to make this passage understandable, not like the peace of God, which passes all understanding, and I'm going to try to make it not endure all that long, like the love of God, which endures forever. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, and if you happen to be a guest with us this morning, we are studying through the book of Daniel, and we're at, at chapter 9. Now, this is a passage that Christians understand in different ways, okay? So I hope this morning to bring a bit of clarity to these verses to help you understand how men and women have understood them for years. But I also hope to encourage us this morning to love Jesus because really, I mean, I don't want to give my punchline away, but this is all about Jesus this morning. And I really hope to encourage you with the Lord Jesus today, okay? Now, if you were here last week, you'll remember at the beginning of chapter 9 in the book of Daniel, Daniel is praying, and he's reading, actually, no, excuse me, he's reading the book of Jeremiah, and as he reads the book of Jeremiah, he reads that there are 70 years having been slated by God for the exile into Babylon. When he reads that, evidently he gets encouraged by that. He does the math, knows they're, at, they're really at the end of that 70 years, and so the Bible says he puts on sackcloth and ashes, and he fasts. And he fasts for that day, and he prays. And here's what he prayed. If you were here last week, you remember. He basically says, Lord, keep your word. God, honor what you've said. It's time. Send us back. Honor your city. Honor your temple. Rebuild it. God, do what you've promised. Now, while he is praying, we ended at verse 19, but while he is praying, something happens. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 20. Now, while I was praying, I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, that would be Jerusalem. And while I was speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the previous vision, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. And he gave me instruction, and he talked with me, and he said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth, obviously from God, to give you insight with understanding. And the beginning, at the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Now, you remember we met Gabriel for the first time in our Bibles. He's going to show up several more times in the New Testament, but he's an angel of God. We meet him for the first time back in chapter 8 in the vision of the ram and the goat in the, in the little horn. You'll remember that the little horn, almost to almost to every interpreter, was Antiochus IV, although others see it having a, a dual fulfillment later in the future. 
the little horn of, of Daniel chapter 8 in that vision was Antiochus IV. And Daniel says, and now in this passage, he says, I'm tired, implying that he's been praying and fasting all day, evidently. It's the evening offering when Gabriel shows up. And Gabriel says, when you began to pray, God commissioned me to come. And I've come for one reason, Daniel. I've come to help you understand the vision. And again, uh, I think, as we'll see in just a moment, I, I think the vision has to do with what Daniel has been praying. So let's read, let's continue reading. We're going to read to the end of the chapter, verse 24 through verse 27. It's not a very long passage, but it's going to be very interesting. Verse 24, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression. Now you remember he's been praying that God would, would do what he said and send them home at 70 years because that's what God had promised through Jeremiah. I'm sorry, let me start again because I interrupted myself. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, and it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. And after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood, even to the end there will be war, desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering and to the wing of abominations and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate now that may have sound confusing to you it sounds confusing every time I read it but hopefully when I'm finished you'll have a better idea of at least how people have understood these verses so Gabriel, in the vision that Daniel sees, Gabriel is the vision, everybody. Gabriel is the vision. But in this vision, Gabriel is giving him this prophetic message. It's a cryptic message. It's, it's very hard, really, to understand what he says. Although Gabriel says, I've come here to help you understand. I've come here to help you understand, evidently, what you're praying about. Because as soon as you began to pray, God sent me. And so I'm here to help you understand some things about what you were praying. And this is a message, a prophetic message about the future. Now again, this is a message that many people consider very significant, as do I, as you will as well, I think, when we're finished, uh, because of, of what it really means. Now, there are many different parts to this passage, believe it or not. And people interpret these parts in, in, in a variety of different ways. But there are two main ways of seeing the text. And I hope, when I'm finished, that you'll understand them both. Maybe not, but I hope that you'll understand them both. And then again, I want to re repeat myself, but I'm hoping at the very end of this, regardless of how you see it, you're going to be greatly encouraged by what I share at the end. All right. Daniel, I mean, Daniel's been praying about the restoration of his people, the Jews, the restoration of Jerusalem, the restoration of the temple. And in response, Gabriel says to him, I'm going to read verse 24 again, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city 
to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make an atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal of the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Now, literally, the text says 77s. Now, look that up, because in every translation, it says 70 weeks. Why don't they make it 77s if that's literally what it says? Well, the word is actually the word for weeks, but it's in the masculine, which evidently means, everybody says it just means a grouping of seven, okay? So the word is weeks, but in the masculine, it always means a grouping of seven and not necessarily weeks. And so every commentator agrees that he's not talking about weeks. He's talking about a grouping of seven. He says, so... For your people, and for the for your people, what does he say? For your people and for the holy city, there are seventy sevens that remain. Now that could be seven days. The, the 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 grouping of seven could be seven days, could be weeks, could be months, could be years. Now the natural reading is years, since Daniel's been talking about years, and almost all commentators to a T believe that the sevens refer to years. And, and so Gabriel tells Daniel that there are 77s remaining for your people and for the city to do the six things that, that, that Gabriel mentioned. That, if you, if you add that out, that's 490 years. For 490 years remain for the, your people and your city to do these six things that God says are going to be accomplished in the 490 years. The finishing of transgression, the end of sin, the atonement of iniquity for iniquity, the bringing in of everlasting righteousness, the sealing of the vision and the prophecy, and the anointing of the most holy place. Now I'm going to come back to those in a little bit, but let's continue on. So Gabriel continues on in what he says to Daniel. And again, he's trying to help Daniel understand. So he gives him a little bit more detail in verse 25. And so he says in verse 25, So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to re restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens, and it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. So, Gabriel says to Daniel, he says, Daniel, I want you to understand something. There's going to be a decree coming. There's going to be a decree coming pretty soon to rebuild Jerusalem. Remember, that's what he's been praying about. He says, from the time of that decree, when somebody says, go back and rebuild Jerusalem, until the coming of Messiah there will be 69 of those 70 weeks. And he divides those 69 weeks or sevens. I'm going to say both so you just understand years, right? There will be 69 sevens or 483 years, but he divides them into two parts. He says there'll be seven sevens and there'll be 62 sevens. 49 years and 434 years until the coming of Messiah. Now this is so significant, okay? This is so significant. Gabriel tells Daniel, Messiah is coming in 483 years at least. That in, at the end of 483 years, we can expect Messiah to, to come. Now, Gabriel divides the time into the 49 years. And again, most commentators, this is speculation, but most commentators believe that he's dividing that time of 69 sevens into those two parts to talk about the completion of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. So the first seven sevens, you follow me? Everybody follow me? And then the 62 sevens, all right? 
The first seven sevens, 49 years, most likely refers to the building up of Jerusalem and to the building up of the temple. One of the reasons we would say that is because if you look at the text, look at verse 25 again, it will be built again with plaza and moat even in times of distress. And, and so, you know, we don't know how long it took to build the temple and, and Jerusalem and the walls and all that. I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure it was 49 years. At the end of 49 years, it was restored. And you notice that he says, even in times of distress, it will be rebuilt, right? Even in times of distress. Remember this, when, when the temple was built, there was great times of distress because the people, the people stopped building. They got more, con remember this from Haggai and Zerubbabel? Y'all remember that? And so um, Haggai and Zerubbabel were confronting the people with their, their laziness, their, their selfishness. And so that was the distress. And then when Jerusalem's walls were rebuilt and Nehemiah came back, you remember how the people were, the land were attacking them? And, and so really 49 years is, um, is most likely the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the rebuilding uh, of the temple. That's how long it takes. But here's where it gets really exciting. And I hope you get this. I hope it lights you up. For the 490 years, listen, falls at the time of Jesus. Falls exactly at the time of Jesus. Do you understand that? In other words, when, when Gabriel told Daniel 490 years, 483 specifically until Messiah comes on the scene, he says, you, 483 years till Messiah comes. I mean, if they were following that, if they really believed it, then, then even the, you remember when they came looking for Jesus as a baby? And, and so the, was it Herod? Herod asked the wise men, hey, where's Messiah supposed to be born? And he said, well, in, in Bethlehem. And so they killed all the children two years and under in Bethlehem because they understood that's where he came from, right? Boy, the scholars, all they had to do was look at Daniel because Daniel says from 483 years, Messiah become. Now, now, the problem is, What's the problem? You, this is not rhetorical. Somebody tell me what the problem would be. Where does it start, right? I mean, I, I'm not sure. That's, in fact, that's kind, of a, that's kind of an issue here. Scholars have done this innumerable times. In fact, you can go out there and read on the Internet, and you'll find man after man, woman after woman, who tries to tell you this is the beginning of the 483 years, and this is the end of the 483 years. And there was actually three decrees that were issued for people to go back to Jerusalem. The biggest and the most well-known one was Cyrus. He was the very first. You remember, he's the one that at the beginning of the Persian Empire says to the people, you guys go home and rebuild your land, rebuild your city, rebuild your temple. Cyrus is actually prophesied in the book of Isaiah. I'm pretty convinced that's the one that God's referencing. But there were two others. And so when is the end? When's the beginning? Which of those decrees is God talking about, right? And then you got at the end, you know, when, when do we count Messiah coming? Was it at his birth? Was it at his beginning of his ministry? Was it at his death? Was it Palm Sunday? What is the beginning of his ministry? And so men and women have tried to tell you where the 483 years, you know, where's the actual beginning and the actual end date. I personally think that is an impossible task. Let me add to its confusion. You know, 